Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. There's always a list of reasons to stay alive, but it's not always easy to find that list. For most people, life's been pretty overwhelming over the last 18 months or so, but even in a pandemicless world, it's full of grief and confusion. It can feel easy to feel like we're alone in our thoughts and that we don't have a full sense of purpose in our lives. What is our purpose? Is this the purpose that I'm supposed to have? But our next guest has some words and illustrations of wisdom to share, and it's this. There is always a reason to keep going, and there is always someone that cares. Our guest today is Adam J. Kurtz, a friend and a previous podcast guest. You've probably seen his artwork go viral on social media. You you honestly probably follow him already. If you follow me, I love Adam's work. I'm always sharing it. And he, of course, has also been featured in places like The New Yorker and Nylon. Adam is a designer, a public speaker, and a mental health advocate. And his new book, it's his fourth book, You Are Here For Now, A Guide to Finding Your Way, just came out. It is so good. It is filled with essays and illustrations about personal transformation. And inside, Adam shares his wisdom in an honest and humorous way that he's, you know, iconically known for that calls us to have empathy for ourselves and the people around us. If you've ever thought, how will I get through this moment? You are not alone. None of us are. But in this episode, Adam shares about the importance of intentional action, genuinely connecting with our communities and and the people that serve us in our communities, and why change isn't always a terrifying thing, but perhaps something that is inevitable and good for our identities. I loved getting to talk with Adam about his new book. It is truly so good. Like I'm not just saying it, I love it. Also, it's just so good to get to catch up. And I hope that you love this episode. And so let's dive straight into it. Okay, Adam, first of all, it is just so great to have you back on the show. Welcome back to Sounds Good. Thanks so much. I can't believe it's been like five years. (laughs) And we're still here. I was too nervous to go back and look at how long ago it was, but it probably is about five years ago. You were one of our very first ever guests. And I believe that Sounds Good was maybe your first podcast that you ever went on? I think it was probably one of my first ever. And I remember that I had a very like bad headphones microphone and that (laughs) there was like a police chase outside during the podcast. And I was like, well, I'll never be invited back to any podcast ever again, I guess. That's so funny. Well, I don't remember that. So it didn't make an impression. And I guess similarly, I remember coming away from that and being like, oh, I feel like I made a total fool of myself. Like I was already a fan of you. And I told Sammy, I was like, I just don't know if I like, I don't know if Adam thought I was cool. And I, you probably didn't, but you must have liked me enough because you ended up inviting me and Sammy 
to your wedding like the next year. And so I got to come out to your wedding, hang out with you and Mitchell. And since then, you have played a, a pretty significant role in helping Good 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 get up and running. Like you helped me figure out how to print and ship the good newspaper and run a merch site and and all of those things. And so it's been really cool how that podcast created a domino effect, I think, in in our friendship and just, I guess, so many other things. Yeah. I mean, we I think we were already friendly and Sammy and I were friendly online. And don't forget that we had barbecue with y'all in Nashville. And That's right. I did those I did the blue newspaper pins when good news paper launched on Kickstarter. So like, you know, it's, we have like a, we have a creative friendship where we are friends because of our art, you know, leading us to each other. And then we're friends beyond that, but then also share resources. And like, I don't know, I love that. I love that in life that people's creative passion can like lead them to each other and then be the foundation for a friendship or a relationship. I love that too. When people, couples meet that way. Yes. I love that too. To clarify for the listeners, Brandon and I are not married. We have separate partners. Uh, not sure why I mentioned the last part. I just think it's cute when people fall in love. No, it is very cute. I mean, you and Mitchell also have both have creative professions. Me and Sammy both have creative professions. And so uh, I do love that like connection and how that's another form of intimacy on a platonic or romantic level. Yeah, I mean, it's it's passions right there in the word. And so for me, at least, it's so important for me, you know, when I'm in a relationship to to see someone's passion. I just, it doesn't have to be the same as my passion, but I want to know that you're passionate about something. And I think in my friendships too, it's, it's hard for me to be friends with someone who has no discernible passion. Um, mind you, that, that definition of passion could be really wide open. Like you might have a passion for video games. That's okay. I just... If I can't see what you're excited about, then I'm like, are are you alive? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of my favorite things is you sit next to somebody on a plane. I mean, first of all, I don't like talking with strangers on planes. As as <laughs> extroverted as I am, I don't love that. But I do love that's when good because I-, I don't think they would like that. <laughs> as soon as you started talking, I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. I'm going to have to interrupt my friend on his own podcast. On the occasion where I do sit next to somebody and they do something super nerdy. Like one time I sat on a plane next to somebody who was an airplane mechanic. Oh, wow. And something, you know, wild happened on the plane. Like it shook for a second. And he mentioned he was an airplane mechanic. And I asked him like one question. And then he just shared with so much passion the details for this thing that I do not care about. Like I will never like go on YouTube and look up airplane mechanic videos or whatever it is. But like he probably does. And the way that he spoke about it was so delightful and charming. And I love that. So like, I don't care what that passion is. I do, but I do think there's something special about like really caring about something. Totally. It's, it's cool to care or it's not cool, but then what is cool? You know? There is this idea of like, there are the things that are cool when we're younger. And then we grow up and realize that like, those were maybe superficial. And that if you go deeper, that's not actually the thing that's attractive. That's not actually the thing that's connecting us to each other. Even though, you know, it's on the surface, it does seem like the connective thing. It's like, no, we're all searching for that thing that is deeper. I think that it is cool to care once you get to the point where it's cool to care. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so for this idea that you and I were kind of, you know, attracted to each other's work, you know, creatively, professionally, th- this is the thing that I always am almost like confused by and and, and try to figure out because 
you and I on the surface have very, very different work, but there is something in common. And I think I was about to describe how I think of your work. But before I do that, I'm almost curious. I would love to hear you describe what your work is, especially in terms of how you think it relates to good, 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 and like kind of the energy we bring to the table. I mean, I think of my work, whether it's visual art, whether it's stationary, books and writing, social media output, neon signs or embroidered teddy bears, like it's all me communicating in as many ways as I can um, in my own voice and extensions of my voice, whether that's handwriting or a certain tone or snark or, you know, in the case of my upcoming audiobooks, like I'm actually reading the words for the first time, um, which is very cool. And I think that communication with other human people in a very real human way is, is at the heart of that. And that's, you know, in my, my perspective of your work, that's exactly what you're about is communicating with people and helping people through that communication. It's just standing up and being like, Hey, I, um, I actually give a shit. hope that's okay. And if you also give a shit, then welcome to this conversation because there's so many people who are not speaking up because they don't know how to, because they don't want to, because it's exhausting because they're busy, which is totally like, there's so many valid reasons that people don't stand up, that people don't, you know, stick out their, their hand or, or I don't know, try to interrupt the flow of things. And I feel like good, good, good shows up and is like, Hey, yeah, the world is actually so hard and bad, but it's also extremely good and nice. And, and here are some of those things. And just sticking out when it would be easier not to, to use your voice that way to help other people and to feel more okay, that I have so much respect for. And that is something that I would love to do um, or to think that I do as well. No, I absolutely think that that's something that you do. I think you do a really good job of that. And I think I that- do too. I was being humble. <laughs> Sorry, let me, let me clarify. I, I really, I like what I do and I think I've gotten pretty good at it too. I, I, it's weird to say that, but that's something that that happens, right? So first it's intimidating to speak. And then once you start speaking, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I can do this. And you learn how to speak more effectively. And, you know, a big part of learning how to speak is also learning how to listen. So you're always growing, but I should use more concrete terms about my work. It's not, <laughs> I should stop saying, I guess, and I hope, and I wish it's like, no, bitch, this is my fourth book. I, I think I'm doing it. And I, self-confidence, man, it's, uh, it's hard. I think the thing for me where I'm like, oh, do we have anything in common? Is that your work has this like negative undertone. And negative isn't the right word. The real word is real. You are very real. You're like, there are bad things, like bad things exist. But in the same way, like the good things that exist in the world are equally real. And I think you always strike that perfect balance. And I I genuinely think that if you and I hadn't met before I founded the good newspaper, the good newspaper would be a lot more toxic positivity. And I think I would have neglected to see that value of saying, wait, wait, hold on. Actually, I just wrote down, I realized I wrote down a quote from your book, which is that you said, negativity provides context for positivity. And unfortunately, we need both. And I'm like, that is such a perfect way to describe this thing. And and the positivity doesn't feel good at all unless you have that negativity. And so I think that 
on first glance, I'm like, oh, th- this negativity <laughs> is not up my alley. And then I'm like, no, 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 this is the most real and connective thing. And I think it feels so much more authentic than somebody who is just quote unquote positive online. Yeah. I mean, you you need the duality. Um, and to ignore the negative would also be kind of insane, you know, for lack of a better word. Like it, bad things happen. And what you're describing in my work, I start calling backhanded optimism where mm. I get to the right place eventually, but I need to cycle through the bad or the hard or the difficult or the negative because that's actually how I feel and experience the world. Like I skew negative and then I take realistically, I take stock of all the positive, add it all up in my head. And then I'm like, okay, actually I'm pretty okay right now. You know, it's that thing of like, if all you had were high notes or if all you had was sweet, you wouldn't know it was sweet anymore. You need the low notes. You need the sour and the bitter. Uh, you need the full flavor. You need the full orchestra um, in order to have a beautiful meal or a piece of music. You know, I'm mixing my metaphors here, but we know what I'm saying. Is that combo music food metaphor that I think really speaks to all of my senses. So thank you for that. Yeah, those are kind of the only two things I care about. <laughs> Or two of my favorite things, music and food. I mean, those are two things that just make life worth living. Those are two things that I can always get excited about, you know, sharing a meal or, oh man, we just bought some pears yesterday and they are so good. You know, when a piece of fruit is just like the best version of that fruit that you've Mm. had in a while and it reminds you of every other time you've had that fruit and it reminds you that like, oh, there's so many fruits you can eat in the world, you know, that's the number one reason to keep going is there's more fruits to eat. I should have put that in the book. I mean, I won't spoil this chapter. I mean, I I actually, I will spoil the chapter. Spoil the chapter. (laughs) You have a chapter that's basically reminding people of the reasons that they should keep going and and stay alive. And the spoiler is that you think people should stay alive. But I, I think that you did such a good job of articulating you know, things in a very poetic and beautiful way that also, again, really acknowledge the challenging parts of life while also saying there are little things and big things that will mean a lot to you in the future. And I actually, I don't think I'd ever seen an articulation of why somebody should stay alive that was so, it was so resonant. And I I think people will really find it delightful which is a funny thing to say about a like about a word like a suicide prevention chapter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think that's just it. Is like the book is not only that the book is not only extremely exactly. heavy things, but but when I talk about mental illness in very blunt terms, I'm always doing it with a sense of lightness and humor. You know, for me, humor is the silver lining that makes the bad okay, and you know that's. <laughs> I'm not the only person like this. When something is so awful and so sad, I almost like I might start to laugh a little bit because you take a step back and you're like, oh my God, this is literally the worst. Like I was um, talking to a friend earlier and she's like, do you want to hear something sad? And she told me about a very, very sad and tragic thing. And then I started laughing and she was like, why are you laughing? And I was like, because you just interrupted a call to say, do you want to hear something terrible? (laughs) And what a ridiculous, like, why did you do this? Because now we're both sad. (laughs) And just the the premise of that is ridiculous. So the book you are here for now is really everything that I have learned and everything that I'm learning and processing. That's the key word. You are here for now is everything that I am processing in real time about being a person in the world. 
And that includes the good and the happy. And it also includes the sad and the hard and um, occasionally the scary. I was about to say, like, we should back up a little bit. And I'll, I'll say that your new book is called You Are Here For Now. And it's your first book that has this long form writing in it. I have been a huge fan of all of your other books, but this one just felt especially like exciting and connective and just like so good, like goosebumpy to me because I got to experience your writing in this long form, you know, traditional chapter format, which is still interspersed with all of your beautiful art that people kind of know you for. What was your goal with this book and why did you decide to make it different and kind of make this leap into essentially a new medium? You know, I think that the power of my work has always been that I am very honest and very truthful, but in a sort of shorthand way. Like I'm, I'm often speaking in aphorisms or phrases that ring true and allow the reader to really find themselves in there. And I, at a certain point, I think I was so wrapped up in the subtlety of it that I no longer had the space I needed to be as truthful um, as I wanted to be or to say as much as I had to say. And while I was working on this book, You Are Here For Now, I realized, hey, there's actually a lot that needs to be enunciated. Like, life is so hard right now. You know, I started working on this book before the COVID-19 uh, pandemic began. But to write a sort of light and fun book about being okay during one of maybe the scariest and most difficult moments in our collective history would be completely tone deaf. And so I had this moment of like, okay, Adam, you are working on your fourth book. You have earned the right to exercise your creative freedom without the publisher, you know, taking back your book deal or, <laughs> or telling you it's bad. You know, I, I earned the right to just say what I wanted to say. And I was like, I got to say it. You truly took that opportunity and ran with it. Oh, you did a I really good job. Ran. <laughs> I read the digital version because I, you know, I'm reading it before it, it actually comes out, and I cannot wait to get to hold it too because I think that will be a nice touch or it, hear the audiobook too. One of the the central themes that you already alluded to this in the book is this idea of purpose. And what advice would you give to those who feel like they don't know their capital P? purpose in life yet? You know, not knowing your purpose is part of being alive. People spend an entire lifetime searching for purpose. Um, your purpose might change. You might think you know what it is and realize that you don't. You might have been told from a young age, hey, this will be your purpose. And then you get older and you're like, well, that person loves me, but I, I don't think they got it right. That That's not my purpose. So it's always going to be a journey and I don't think you should ever beat yourself up for not being certain. But one thing that I say in the book is kind of a cheat code is that searching for purpose is kind of a purpose. So the, if you need a stalling tactic that makes you feel better, the search for purpose is in and of itself a form of purpose. And so you can do that one for a while, as long <laughs> as you're genuinely doing it, right? As long as you're really doing the work to ask yourself the questions about what's important to you and what you have to offer, that counts. I like that idea too that purpose changes because it is a reminder that there's always a little bit more purpose in looking around for a new purpose. You know, Not that it's like I have to get rid of this thing and move on to something new, but it's that, okay, well, what 
can use my talents and 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 skills and abilities and my interests you know even more effectively than than right now or or what is calling out to me in a in a new and different way now that maybe my life has changed a little bit and i i don't know i kind of like the idea of not being locked into a purpose for a long time do you feel like you know what your purpose in life is you know i think that there is an important distinction to be made between a sense of purpose that that we really feel innately that calls to us and then a skill set that we possess that makes us especially good at doing something because you could have someone who's the fastest runner in the world and maybe they run really fast you know for awards and income and that's their job but maybe they they feel their true purpose is just to be a good dad and so we really need to create that distinction between, okay, what do we think we're good at versus what are we genuinely not just passionate about, but feel uniquely called to do. And for me, you know, I always think about my sense of purpose as rooted in acts of service for others. That doesn't mean I'm especially good at helping others. In fact, I'm often overbearing, right? Like I see (laughs) someone standing at a party and I'm like, here, sit. And they're like, no, I don't want to. And I'm like, what do you mean? Here's an armchair. And they're like, no, no, I'm, I'm fine, right? So my sense of purpose is not always good and I'm not always the best at it, but I realized over time that I'm really called to help others in, in any way that I can. And part of that for me has been shifting my art from something that helps me express myself into something that helps me express myself while also connecting with others and reflecting truths back to others and commiserating with others. And that has been a really long journey of of realizing that, hey, the things that I feel and think in my brain actually resonate very strongly with some other people, right? And I don't think the whole world loves me, but there's maybe 1% of people in the world who have an inner monologue that's kind of similar to mine. And when those people stumble onto my work, they're like, holy shit, I can't believe other people think like this. I thought I was crazy. And I'm just like, well, surprise, bitch. I might be crazy too. <laughs> I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying you're not alone. <laughs> I think that was one of your uh, list, like in your list of reasons to stay alive. I think you mentioned this idea that like we always underestimate how big this world is. And it's pretty likely that somewhere in the world, somebody knows how you're feeling. And I was like, oh, that is a really good point. Like, I don't think any of us are really unique, precious butterflies in, in any of the ways we think. And at the, at the least, there's somebody else who probably has that connective experience. There's always someone out there who gets it. And one very small silver lining to this pandemic has been, I have felt an openness from others to be more truthful when saying, you know, when answering the question of how are you? So mm. it used to be someone says, how are you? And you say, oh, I'm fine. How are you? And now you say, how are you? And sometimes more often than I think they used to, people actually give you a real answer. And I love that. I'm loving that change because a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff and pretending that you're not, that doesn't really help anyone else. It's good to have boundaries, you know, don't tell everyone that you're flailing, but if you tell someone who cares about you, they might actually, they might be able to help. And then you don't have to be so alone. And if you tell a stranger, I mean, not a stranger, but like, you know, you tell somebody who maybe isn't in your life that, you know, things aren't going great. And you're just authentic. You're not, you're not putting a burden on them, but you're just telling the truth. If, if they have been going through their day or their week or their year feeling this heaviness and feeling like they were alone, 
who knows what that could unlock for somebody to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one who feels heavy right now. Yeah. I think it's hard to know what spaces are appropriate for that. You know, I'm very much someone who loves to just talk to a barista or like the person at the grocery store. And I have to like be better at context clues to know when people want it and don't. (laughs) But I will say that on the internet, you know, that's often sort of an opt-in environment where people are either, you know, interacting with you or not. And the people that are, are probably more receptive to what you have to share. So I think I've tried to be open, you know, for the last year and a half about how I'm doing, about how I'm feeling. It's not all good. It's not all bad. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be alive. I am sad about things that we've lost. There's just so much. And and one thing that I think it was Mitchell, my husband, who said it to me was just, there's a lot of grief and grieving that needs to be done that we still have not been fully able to, to feel and enunciate. And it's almost like, do we need to wait for all of this to be over to get closure? I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. Just this idea that like I'm going out and spending more time out in the world again. Others are as well. But like the death and the heartbreak are not ending as I do this thing. And because of that, like this grief is sitting with me. This grief is sitting with so many other people. And it's as if, you know, by going back into the grocery store it, in a similar way to how we used to, it feels weird to carry this heaviness while I'm in the produce aisle that used to just feel normal. And I think that just finding ways to like, I don't know, I've actually just tried to be more intentional about like making genuine eye contact with some people in the real world. Cause it's like acknowledging that you exist and I exist. And I don't know. I think that there's something important about that. Even if it's not a shared conversation about this grief, the world having, it's just that, you know, we are complex and we are seeing each other in this moment. And if you're feeling this, maybe I'm feeling this too. Yeah. And this isn't exactly what you're talking about, but I will say that at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of conversation about tipping our food service people and delivery drivers um, extra because of how hard things are. And I think another version of just being aware and existing in reality is to remember that that's still the case. And actually people have had to go back to underpaid jobs because the unemployment benefits were cut off. So keep tipping high. When you have those positive interactions with people who are working um, in food service and retail, like keep aware of the fact that even if they are in good spirits, like it is still harder than it ever was before. Um, And if you have the means, those increased tips really like have so much power to, to make someone's day. And I think I was already a good tipper before all this, but like now I am, I am on it. I'm never going back. I know. Yeah. We are never tipping 15% ever again. Like, and you know, this is also the reality of, of minimum wage. I mean, everything is connected. <laughs> if that's, I think that is a huge thing to remember is that everything is connected. Um, the pain, the suffering, the hardship is all connected. That said, it's also connected to the good. It's connected to kindness. It's connected to our communities that we create and exist in. And so if we can all make an effort to be positive connections, if we can help connect to the good, if we can remind others that the good things happen and that love is real and that we will all be okay, that's a huge power and that's a gift we can give to one another. And 
none of that is possible without acknowledging first the the struggles and the injustices and the heartbreak that's in the world. Because only when you see that, then you go, well, shit, I've got to do something about this. I've got to, I've got to be a part of this solution. And I'm maybe going to rally a few other people to do this. It's very be the change, right? It's, it's very be the change. <laughs> We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Adam and I are asking the question of, is searching for purpose actually a purpose in and of itself? And oh, we're also talking about tragedy in a very blunt and humorous, but ultimately optimistic way. We'll be right back. Sounds Good is supported by Moon March. Moon March is the agency that partners with causes, campaigns, and companies to create a better future. I had the incredible pleasure of getting to work with Moon March on the all-new goodgoodgood.co website. If you have visited it, you know that it is stunning. You know that it is really cool. You know that it's super helpful and is filled with so much good news. And the reality is, A wonderful website for a mission-driven company doesn't just happen. It takes behind-the-scenes processes, systems, thoughts, questions, and most of all, experience. And Moon March has all of that. With decades of experience in the world of social impact and also just at the forefront of the creative industry, Moon March knows what is up. If you are a brave soul running a company, cause, or campaign that dares to rethink cultural establishments, Moon March is here to ensure that your story earns the participation that it deserves. You can learn more about Moon March, explore their past work, and get in touch at moonmarch.com. I could not recommend it more fully. All you have to do is visit moonmarch.com. That's moon, M-A-R-C-H.com. Sounds Good is sponsored by Breaking Glass. Breaking Glass is the podcast that hosts intimate conversations about women around the world. Their guests are bending systems, breaking rules, and rewriting the narrative for women. The co-hosts Sabrina Mirage Naim and Cassia Binkowski connect with radical activists and unassuming feminists who are reimagining what it means to be a woman in this world. And I highly recommend the show. I think it's great. I think that There have been so many episodes where I have learned a lot, uh, where I have thought to myself, wow, I had never heard this perspective before, and I'm glad that I'm getting to hear it on this show. If that sounds like a good fit for you, I highly recommend adding it to your podcast queue. All you have to do is search for Breaking Glass in whatever podcast app you are using right now, or you can learn more at breakingglasspodcast.com slash good. One more time, that's Breaking Glass or breakingglasspodcast.com slash good. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at shipstation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. 
All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. You have this other quote from the book that really stood out to me. You said, you already know how bad it can be. So focusing on positive change instead isn't the same as ignorance. And that's the, that's the thing that I kind of get a little bit afraid of sometimes when you know I'm doing my job celebrating the good that happens in the world. And you know maybe I'm spending a little bit less time doom scrolling. Is it ignorance to, to you know not be giving the heartbreak that's happening in the world to not be giving this my full attention? And I, I found that quote to be really encouraging. But I also imagine that you were kind of thinking about that in terms of mental health and and maybe you know the anxieties of imagining what could happen that goes like wrong uh you know what were you thinking when you wrote that quote when you wrote that thing that then i quoted (laughs) (laughs) i i was thinking both things you know to to focus only on the negative or positive in our own lives is always going to be harmful toxic positivity is i think um a fairly common phrase now, like people are familiar with the concept of toxic positivity. And maybe even just a couple of years ago, we weren't there yet. Even just a couple of years ago, we were still like posi vibes only, good vibes, good Mm -hmm. vibes. And now it's like, well, wait a second, because actually neggy vibes exist too. Um, And I, I think about it a lot. And, you know, there's an essay in the book called Bad News Pairs, which is a very dumb dad joke metaphor that you'll have to read to get, but it's basically all second of, pair reference of the day, by the way. I guess I just love pairs. Yeah, <laughs> I just what can I say? And it's it's all about that sort of vibe, that okay vibe stasis where good vibes and bad vibes can exist. And I will say that, you know, in your work, Brandon, there maybe have been times in the past where I was where my own feeling as your friend was like, okay, this is feeling a little bit like positive, 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 but you have very clearly in your work and the community, the the good newspaper community has really done the work to make sure that the conversations are balanced and to identify the bad that's being addressed by the good. And that's part of celebrating the good is understanding what's so good about it, right? It's like, we know kittens are good, but we don't always know why the actions taken by so-and-so are good unless we know the why they're taken and and who they're for and where they occurred and what's the historical context for, for when this is happening at this moment in time. And so I think, you know, we need the context to really appreciate the good. And I think that the work you do has been very careful and very intentional in providing that complete context so that people are not just celebrating at the end, but really understanding the entire journey to get to that happy ending. Well, on behalf of uh, the team and our community, I'll, I'll just say thank you for that and those very kind words. And it's something that we're certainly trying to be intentional about. And it's, you know, it doesn't come easy, but I think that that's a good, 
it's a really good practice for us and something that we're just trying to model because I think everybody is trying to wrestle with that dichotomy. And so if we can try to set a tone for what that looks like, I think it can just create a healthier approach to discourse and, and maybe a healthier approach to just kind of how we all get to experience the news and, and the things that happen in the world. Yeah. I think that for most people, the impulse is either digest too much, that doom scrolling. I always think of um, Karen Ho because she tweets her doom scrolling reminders. So good. There's, you know, there's that side. And then there's just like the, I pretend I do not see it, you know, <laughs> bury your head in the sand. And it seems like it's always that extreme of one or the other. And for me, I, I'm always very intentionally trying to have a diet that includes both because I need to know what's happening. I need to know, um, you know, a little bit of what's happening in the world around me so that I feel tethered to something outside of myself. Mm. Too much time inside your own brain isn't, isn't necessarily healthy either. On the other hand, when you become obsessed with the news cycle and you allow every piece of news to impact you in a deep, guttural, emotional way, that's unhealthy too. So I go through phases where I turn off my notifications. You know, I turn off all push notifications. That's my number one piece of advice. It's really good advice. I've done the same thing. Yeah, just just opt out a little bit. And then if you can, you know, move to Hawaii because the time zone really... I log into Twitter in the morning and Twitter's like almost halfway done for the day. <laughs> and it's like jumping in in the middle of an episode of Law & Order. Like you can figure it out, but you're, you're closer to the end and you miss the setup. So I never know who the main character of Twitter is, but then I no longer care. Oh, that's so funny because you you moved from New York and I always felt like on the West Coast is just like Twitter follows New York hours. Once everybody in New York has fallen asleep, like Twitter is done for the day, you can go to bed. So I get to go to bed at 9 p.m. Uh, but you get to go to bed at like, I don't know how to do the time. I'm asleep so right now. It's like dinner time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has been surprisingly healthy for a person like me who is so very online. And, you know, I joined Twitter in um, 2007. So I just had my 14 year Twitter anniversary. And wow, that's, I mean, that's almost half my life, (laughs) you know, that's nuts. So it's been, it's been a great exercise in not unplugging, but just disconnecting. I think that's really good. And, you know, then you get to prioritize, you know, what you want to do, which, you know, maybe it leads me to this this question that it, it might be a good kind of question to go out on uh, or a good, a good conversation, which is that remind me what phrase you had embossed into those number two pencils that you sold for years. You talked about this in your book. Well, I, I didn't intend to sell them at first, <laughs> but in a, in a moment of extreme mental clarity slash nervous breakdown, I ordered 720 pencils that say, I am a tool or a weapon and completely free, which is literally terrifying. And that really became a sort of thesis statement for my early 20s. And it helped me sort of parse through the potential that I have as a person and that we all have as people to create and to make beautiful and special things, um, but also to destroy, to, to hurt ourselves and and others around us. And every single day is really a choice um, of how to wield yourself, just like just like a pencil can be used to write a book or stab someone in the eyeball. <laughs> I I found it I found it really encouraging because it actually 
coming back to the idea of purpose, I don't know. I feel anxious about this idea of getting locked into a singular purpose. And with this idea of, of picking up a pencil that can either create good or bad, it's a choice every day. Every day we get the choice to do that thing. And whatever that metaphor applies to, whether it's truly like the words you write or the words you speak or the actions you take, I think it's very encouraging to be able to look back on your day and say, how did I wield this pencil? What did I use it for? Because I had all of these opportunities available to me, but I chose to do this. And every day you get to start over. And if one day you you know, you know choose to wield your pencil for bad, the next day you can start over and you can try again because the pencil's free. Yeah. I mean, that's very much the spirit of you are here for now, right? It's this this idea that where you are at this moment of time is current and present and you will soon be leaving. And so if today wasn't a good day, try again tomorrow. And if you don't like who you are in this moment, that's okay because you're going to keep growing. Um, you always have more opportunities and you can always shift. You know, you're not locked into an identity. You're not locked into a sense of purpose. You're not locked into any job or relationship or even a relationship with yourself you will change so many times in your life, as many times as you would like. And sometimes some of the times that you don't want to, but too bad because life is surprising. That's what it is really a conversation about. And that's something I have spent so many um, of the last years thinking of. It's who am I at any given moment? How am I changing? And, And where do I want that change to lead me next? Because as soon as you realize your own potential, as soon as you find your own power, the next question is, what do I do with it? And it's very overwhelming to a person like me to go from feeling like I had no power at all and that I literally, I was going to not live anymore. And then suddenly be like, not only am I going to live, but I'm going to do things, I'm going to make things. And then to, to see the fruit of that labor, you know, to look around my life and realize, hey, all this work I've been doing has led me here. And I have new opportunities and new resources and new potential directions. Now, what do I make of those? And so there's just always a lot of change and a lot of growth. And good brings good, good brings bad. And uh, you just have to kind of parse through it all. And that's, uh, that's it. That's being alive. <laughs> I, you know, Adam, I think that's actually just the perfect way to wrap this episode. I think that's such a beautiful idea and it's such a good closing note. And so just thank you so much for, for doing the work that you do, for writing this beautiful book and for being here with us today on Sounds Good. Thanks so much for having me and I will see you on the internet. That was Adam J. Kurtz, author of You Are Here For Now, A Guide to Finding Your Way. You can order his book wherever you buy your books, and you can see more of his work at his website, adamjk.com. And of course, you can follow Adam on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok at at adamjk. One more time, you've got to get the book. You Are Here For Now. Click the link in the show notes. I love it. It's cute. It's sitting on my coffee table. I've already read it a second time. Okay. (laughs) This podcast was created by Good 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 at Good Good Good. We help you feel more hopeful and do more good. 
You can find more good news and ways to make a difference in our weekly email newsletter, our beautiful print good news paper, or online at our beautiful website, goodgoodgood.co. This episode was created by Sarah Lee, Megan Burns, and me, Brandon Harvey. It was edited and sound designed by the team at Sound On Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. This episode is actually our last episode of the season. So make sure that in whatever podcast app you're in right now, you hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button so that when we come back with more new episodes soon, you are the first to hear about it. And while you're at it, go through, listen to some back episodes. We've got so many good ones through the five-ish years, years of making this podcast. And they are all still so good. So go through, find a new favorite, and let us know what you love. And with that, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and find a way to connect with someone, even if it's terrifying. And we'll be back soon with more good news and good action. Sound good?